to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open, best and worst of the extended weekend style for the first time in a long time. J.P. Delacamera of Fox Sports joined us live from France. He had the call as Team USA. Best of the weekend for many of you. Worst of the weekend for a variety of reasons for a handful of you. You can tell us why at 1-800-849-2761. It is another Women's World Cup title. Kawhi Leonard did surprise most by getting the L.A. Clippers to trade for Paul George and join him on at least the startings of what the Clippers hope will become at some point a super team. Nine years ago today, LeBron James on national TV had his, his decision. You all remember the words, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. You may not remember other words. We have more of LeBron in his own words from nine years ago today. He inspired a lot of haters that way or that day, but he also, of course, was joining his friends Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade on a Miami team that did end up winning two NBA titles, 1-800-849-2761 if you want in on best or worst of the weekend. We have some of the early overnight returns on the popularity of the women's victory in France. It is one of the most watched soccer telecasts in the United States in the last decade. It is actually the most for the men or women since the Women's World Cup match that the Americans won four years ago against Japan. Similar numbers. We don't have the entire viewership numbers, but early really good returns as the sport of women's soccer continues to grow. As we come to your calls, Gary and Wilson wants in on the U.S. national team. Stephen Apex has a UFC best or worst of the weekend. Others are chiming in on Wimbledon, the Carolina Hurricanes, Sebastian Ajo, the PGA Tour, Major League Baseball, which has its home run derby tonight. You can be next. Best or worst of the weekend or with your question of the day, perhaps why Megan Rapino personally is your best or worst of the weekend. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. One thing I promised, these numbers, again, objective, your opinion, subjective. Let's start with the objective these numbers are real, and for the men, at least, to steal a Seinfeld phrase, they are spectacular. When the Men's World Cup was contested just one year ago, and this actually helps, it's not quite apples to apples, but one was last year, the other's this year, that helps for something closer to an apples to apples comparison. At the Men's World Cup one year ago, they divided $400 million in prize money. So, of course, the winner gets the most, and then it's on down to the tiers. The women this year, this past month in France, divided $30 million. So let's just say it's round numbers. That is one-tenth. Obviously, $40 million would be perfectly one-tenth. But just for fun, to not make our heads hurt too much, the women, next time it's going to be increased, so let's just say it's a 10-to-1 ratio. The Men's World Cup... 400 million and rising the women's world cup 30 million and rising round numbers 10 times more prize money for the men than for the women the question becomes as there are several branches of today's u.s women's national team tree if you want to be next 1-800-849-2761 we've celebrated the just soccer part of it we've probed the white house visit part of it just a little bit and then there's the equal pay part of it the bottom line question, or at least one of them would be, is that disparity, $400 million for the men, $30 million for the women, 
Is that a byproduct of gender discrimination or is it a byproduct of good old-fashioned capitalism, American or otherwise? I'm one of those people who believes to have an intelligent opinion, you at least have to start gathering some facts, right? In other words, those of you who say it is automatically an outrageous case of gender discrimination, knowing nothing about the economics, I just don't understand you. I see you as ideologically angry more than having an actual argument to make. You at least have to do a little homework. It can't just be the men divided 400 million, the women divided 30 million, and that means 100% of that disparity is because the FIFA officials love men and hate women or are acting behind the scenes to discriminate against them at all times in all ways, right? You need to do your homework. And as I think a fair-minded, level-headed guy with some legal training and some journalism training, again, you're supposed to be fired if you're not objective. And in the legal field, if you make enough bad arguments without the evidence to back it up, you're going to get either disbarred or lose a lot of lawsuits. And I think you deserve it, frankly, if you can't be better at accuracy and objectivity and the things that are supposed to matter in law or in journalism, et cetera. I think fair-minded people, rather than jumping straight to, well, either capitalism is what capitalism is, and if you don't make enough money on the women's side, that's just tough, right? Or the other end of the spectrum, it's got to be all about old dudes, and that is accurate. Mostly old dudes run the international governing body of soccer, FIFA. It's got to be all about the gender discrimination. Here is just one fact for you to contemplate. Again, to have an opinion worth listening to, you have to do a little homework. You can't just wake up ideologically angry and then stomp your feet like a child when somebody says, you know, it might be a little more complicated than just gender discrimination. Or it might not be fully explainable by good, good old-fashioned capitalism, American or otherwise. Just one for you to consider. I have training in mediation given my 17 years as an attorney. You know, one of the questions I would ask if Megan Rapino and a whole bunch of others fighting for gender equality and equal pay and against gender discrimination, they're at one end of the table, right? And all these FIFA officials, oh, we're sorry we can't pay the women more. The money just isn't there. And they want me to believe them, right, as the mediator. And they're at the other end of the table. And little poor old me is somewhere in the middle. And we, of course, pull out the facts that everybody has to agree on, including the men divided 400 million last year, the women just divided 30 million, less than a tenth in the 2019 Women's World Cup. This is only one. I am not saying it paints the whole picture. But you know, one question I would bring up right away, and this is how, as a mediator, you can tell if somebody has it in them to be fair. In modern American politics, so many people at both ends of the spectrum long ago abandoned the idea of critical thought. They're just cult members. They just wake up and they want to avoid any evidence that goes against whatever makes them feel warm and fuzzy, or they want to exclusively count the evidence that bolsters whatever argument, bastardized or otherwise, that they might have. It is the antithesis of the intellectual approach to things. And that's just where we are, not all of us, but in large numbers, especially at the extremes. If you're fair-minded, doesn't this just resonate with you just a little bit? Wouldn't you want to know, for example, how many more viewers 
the Women's World Cup or the Men's World Cup has than the Women's World Cup. Again, it's not the only thing. It's more complicated than that. But whereas FIFA, knowingly or unknowingly, could push its men's soccer sponsorships more with their salespeople, you're just out there shaking the bushes as the old saying goes, pounding the pavement as the old saying goes, and for whatever reason, the, old bo- the good old boys club or passive gender discrimination, active gender discrimination, we all know how the sales work, the, the sales field goes, right? I've had salespeople for this show say that, well, you know, DG, when you used to work here, we were kind of pushed to push your show more than any other. Oh, and wow, the, the results reflected that. What a surprise. And at another time in my career, you know, DG, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but we were kind of trained to push these other shows more so than your show. Oh, wow. And the results reflected that as well. Well, yeah, of course it could happen with sponsorships. And that's why the sponsorship number would be really hard to figure out. Well, how much of it is gender discrimination and just the way FIFA is selling both? If you're more animated and more aggressive and more excited and your salespeople are better trained and more aggressive about putting forward sponsorships and advertising partnerships with the Men's World Cup, that's a cultural thing that's really hard to measure, right? Well, let's get back to what's easier to measure. If you are like me, as a starting point, and you value logic and reason and evidence and critical thinking, if the men were still getting 10 times as many viewers as the women, wouldn't that be impactful to you? In other words, when the FIFA dudes at one end of my table in my mediation setting, if they were able to say, they're not, by the way, if they were able to say, man, I'm sorry, DG, I know what you're saying about training our salespeople, and we probably have to do a better job of pushing the women along those lines. We'll grant you that. We can't resolve that today's mediation session, but we'll grant you that, and we promise that we'll get better. If the FIFA officials could say, good old-fashioned, objectively measured numbers, how many freaking people around the world were watching? If 10 times as many watched the men... I'm not saying the argument is game over. But I'm listening to the FIFA guys if they were able to say, hey, man, the prize money is 10 times more as a direct byproduct of the audiences being 10 times larger. I would not give up at that point. I would not cancel future mediation sessions at that point. But I would know that somebody at that end of the table is trying to be fair. I know this system is not perfect, but if there are 10 times as many viewers for the men, I don't have a magic wand, the prize money's probably going to be 10 times as high as well. Well, of course it's not 10 times as high. And that's why the answer to the question ultimately, is it gender discrimination or is it good old-fashioned international capitalism? The answer is actually yes. It is gender discrimination. And it is good old-fashioned international capitalism. Again, I, I know I'm using a blunt interest instrument here rather than a scalpel, okay? But the facts, and I've done my homework, and any good mediator would, the facts show us that the Men's World Cup still has three to four times as many viewers as the Women's World Cup. Okay. That helps explain why the money is not perfectly equal. 
We do not just say, oh, capitalism hasn't worked all that well, and we like this U.S. women's national team. So either through U.S. soccer, which, again, gets a lot of its money through the international governing body of soccer, they don't have that magic wand. Capitalism still matters. And one fundamental part of this equation is that the Men's World Cup still attracts three to four times the viewers of the Women's World Cup. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that, right? And this is where you can get into some fair questions about gender discrimination. Does FIFA spend as much money promoting the televised product for the women as the men? That matters. But three to four times the audience, sure as holy hell, does not explain the 10 times to one or more disparity in prize money. My starting point at that mediation session would be right there. Look, old dudes at the FIFA end of the table, I'm willing to listen. I know you have all sorts of excuses why the men shared $400 million last year and the women are sharing only $30 million. I know you're about to tell me that the women's prize money is going to go up four years from now, but you might not be as willing to tell me, and I know it, the men's money is also going up significantly four years from now. And guess what? The gap is not closing on a dollar basis. It might be slightly narrowing on a percentage basis. But I'd look at both ends of the table and I'd say, listen, all of you at the gender discrimination, and you just repeat that phrase to the exclusion of all other things and evidence. I'm looking at you and saying, I respect your journey here. I am fundamentally and passionately and adamantly anti-gender discrimination. You cannot ask even these old men at the other end of the table to wave a magic wand. When there are four times as many people watching the Men's World Cup than the Women's World Cup, you must expect that there is going to be some financial repercussions for that. You must accept that if you want me to listen to you as a fair group of people at one end of the table. But I'm also saying to the dudes at the other end, somebody is going to come across as not being involved in a good faith negotiation if you play the denial game. Don't tell me that 10 times the prize money can be explained when it's only four times the audience, three to four times the audience. If you try to make that argument, I will fire you and ask that FIFA produce a new representative at the next mediation session because I'm put not putting up with that nonsense. And in fact, if there are attorney's fees involved, I'm going to have you, FIFA, pay for both sides' attorney's fees just because your unwillingness to make a fair argument is really pissing me off right now. And you could do this kind of thing. Oh, man, it's beautiful. In the mediation world, all I'm asking you is to come to the table with something fair. And if you are the gender discrimination camp, okay, tell us why and how to the degree that you know. It's not being pushed as much. You might have numbers on that. They're, they're, you know, you can count advertisements. In what markets are they promoting women's soccer? To what degree do they promote their telecasts for the women compared to the men? There, there can be massive amounts of evidence there. Oh, I love evidence. You know why? Because it scares the bejesus out of people who are only making ideologically angry cult-like arguments where they feel like they know it all. Oh, it's got to be all gender discrimination or it's got to be all good old-fashioned capitalism. Of course it's not all of one or the other. And anyone in this room who suggests that it is, you're not welcome back for the next session. And if that means I'm discriminating against you, you're right. 
but I am not discriminating against you for any of the bad reasons, like race or gender or religion or the countless other dem demographic boxes that we check. It's a good thing to discriminate against bad ideas. It's a good thing to discriminate against people who are making bad faith arguments. That is actually a beautiful, fully American, dare I say patriotic part of discrimination. Your idea is bad. You don't have any evidence to back up your point of view. You're making a fundamentally ridiculous argument, and I in the mediator's chair am too smart to let you get away with it, and I don't even care if that sounds obnoxious or arrogant or condescending. Because in a smart world, the people who have done their homework don't have to apologize to those who have not. The next mediation session, I'm charging all of you a lot more per hour. You cannot explain a 10 to 1 or more prize money disparity when the women's game has become so popular that the audience sizes are only three to four times in favor of the men. That financial disparity we have right now might have actually been supported by numbers 20 or 30 years ago. I don't have those in front of me, but it would not at all surprise me if the men were getting liter you know, truly 10 times the audiences for the World Cup compared to the women. Well, it's not that anymore, and it actually hasn't been that for a while. So FIFA dudes, I'm not letting you off the hook. You're not just pointing to capitalism. Do a better job of promoting and selling the women's game, or we're not going to believe that you're innocent of gender discrimination. And at the same time, the extremists at my other end of the table, don't be naive. Not all disparities can be explained entirely by what you might hope is explaining the whole canyon. Gender discrimination is it at play here somehow to some degree. Measuring it is really, really tricky. But if you think it explains 100% of the disparity between why the men shared $400 million in prize money last year and the women shared $30 million this year, you're just not being fair. And again, that means I have to have you replaced by the next time we get together. 1-800-849-2761. Gary and Steve and you can join us on the other side. Let me get Gary in now, Darren, because he has soccer on his mind. He has a great best of the weekend, and then we'll jump back to your calls on the other side. We'll give you more of LeBron James in his own words. Taking my talents to South Beach is the most famous phrase from nine years ago today. We'll give you more, the harder-to-remember part of an evening with Jim Gray, nationally televised on ESPN, that helped dramatically increase the number of LeBron haters out there. That was the decision nine years ago today. This is Gary in Wilson with a decision of his own. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Yes, thank you, David, and welcome back. Thank you. Uh, my, my best of the weekend, and uh, I concentrate on the soccer on the field, yeah. is Coach Jill Ellen for navigating all of the distractions to lead this women's team to the World Championship. One great example of her coaching is her utilization of Crystal Dunn, formerly a forward and midfielder, yep. and seeing that she is one of the best 11 players, finding a role for her. Man, she's fast. Back, she is a fast. A spot for the team. And Crystal Dunn overmatched who she was matched up with throughout the World Cup continually 
and was one of the big reasons our team ended up winning in the end. You might agree with this, Gary. I thought after Megan Rapino, who, of course, had the president of the United States uh, heaping all sorts of pressure on her, and then whatever segment of America, either rooting for her to break her leg or fail. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate comeback under pressure in style, best of the weekend. Megan Rapino is under tricky circumstances, absolutely positively flexed as much as anybody I've ever seen under similar circumstances. Second on that list from the U.S. Women's National Team, Jill Ellis, the head coach, had been personally called out by one of the greatest players in women's national team history, the goalie Hope Solo, as essentially the weak link in the machine. She was going to choke. She, her leadership was not good enough. She's bad under pressure. It's not like some writer wrote that. That's Hope Solo. It's, it's one, maybe the greatest women's goaltender ever, certainly one of the best U.S. women's national team's players ever. I don't even personally like her a whole lot, but there's no denying her excellence as a keeper. She circled Jill Ellis as the weak link. Next to Megan Rapinoe again. That is the Megan Rapinoe threw down on all of her critics in every conceivable way in the face of a mountain of criticism, some of it coming from her own country. I can't say Jill Ellis did all that, but Jill Ellis proved she was not a weak link in the chain, and her personnel decisions and her leadership were a part of the picture as Team USA finished things off against the Netherlands in yesterday's championship match. Appreciate the call, Gary. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. What was the best thing you saw over the extended weekend and why? Happy July 4th weekend to everybody. Darren moved this weekend. I'm headed to the dentist after today's show. So this is clearly one of the highlights. Being with you all across the state of North Carolina and talking sports, giving where moving and dental appointments fit on the human scale here in the first world. Talking sports is a lot of fun, no? 1-800. At least yours is behind you, Darren. Uh, well, it, there I'm, are I'm going to be in lingering. a dentist chair 60 <laughs> minutes from now. All right. Well, I've got to go, like, sort things from a bunch of boxes. And so there's still headaches? Clean the old place, you know. You're the, trying to make me feel better? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Why was Zion Williamson a worst of the weekend? Why was... Sebastian Ajo, a best of the weekend. And what are the most interesting storylines to follow on the other side of the pond as Wimbledon continues and moves from the Sweet 16 to the quarterfinals? There are stories to celebrate for the men and women, just including the red, white, and blue on the other side of the pond. More of those details with more of your phone calls 1-800-849-2761 and lebron james nine years ago today was the decision we all remember he's taking his talents to south beach do you remember anything else he said nine years ago today well it is a special anniversary we'll give you more of lebron in his own words next on the david glenn show Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks who work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 
Nick and Raleigh wants to be next for best or worst of the weekend. We do have some lines open for the first time in a long time. You can chime in. U.S. Women's National Team. Major League Baseball has its home run derby tonight. All-Star Game is almost upon us. We've had nominees from all over the sports universe. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. We promised you LeBron James in his own words from nine years ago today. Darren Vaught is queuing that up. Everybody remembers that LeBron, at the infamous decision with Jim Gray, nationally televised by ESPN, everybody remembers that he said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And everybody realizes, I think, at this point, that the number of LeBron haters went dramatically up that day. Either Cavaliers fans mad that he was leaving them or his home state of Ohio, or the look-at-me style presentation of the decision. You remember the burning jerseys in protest, or even the concept of a super team or a big three. It's harder to remember the other things LeBron James said nine years ago today that actually apply in big ways to the modern NBA. Nine years later, as KD and Kyrie are together in Brooklyn, as Paul George and Kwai are now together with the L.A. Clippers, as A.D. and LeBron are now together with the L.A. Lakers, and as you have a whole bunch of other interesting pairings, although perhaps not the traditional big three, which, as we went into earlier, has been around for decades, even if we have not used that phrase quite as often. As we queue up LeBron James in his own words and take your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Darren Vaught, since you represent the 20s and 30-somethings in our statewide audience, I represent the 40s and 50-somethings, if not those older than that. Tell me if you remember either or both of these phrases, not remember of them, but would they still be in the vernacular? One, I think is almost universal, the luck of the draw. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty commonly used expression. How about this one? Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Have you ever heard that before? I've heard it. And I it, cannot say that's idea? as universal. Yeah, it's not. Uh, could you even place it? I'm just putting you on the spot here as a highly educated guy from en Emory and Henry University, uh, graduate school at Elon University, just to fully pressurize those <laughs> fine institutions. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. It's a line from the play by Hamlet written by the legendary William Shakespeare. Now, I think of luck of the draw for reasons related to Wimbledon, as that tennis tournament unfolds as we speak, I think of something as rotten in the state of Denmark for just a trivial reason that I'm hoping, Darren, that you personally appreciate, because frankly, it may not be all that interesting to anybody else. I have hoped and wished for decades that the FIFA headquarters were located in the state of Denmark, because they are so corrupt when it comes to giving bids to horrendous places like Qatar in the Middle East or Russia even more recently. Qatar is next. Russia was most recently, right? If FIFA headquarters were in Denmark and we had these gender discrimination issues that I outlined earlier or the bribing for bids, criminal investigations that we've had all over the globe, I'm not making this up. I mean, FIFA is up there with the International Olympic Committee and the NCAA as among the most tone-deaf, and in the case of FIFA, truly criminally corrupt organizations on planet Earth. So it is just a trivial wish of mine, Darren, that had they been located in Denmark, we could just pound Hamlet and Shakespeare and something is rotten in the state of Denmark every time FIFA did something wrong. It would be on the same level as the luck of the draw in terms Look of it being go. an expression. Look yeah, at you sure. go there. It would be up to a luck of the draw. Sadly, 
FIFA headquarters remain in Zurich, Switzerland, so I'm going to have to come up with a different punchline along those lines. Luck of the draw is a universally known phrase, and why do I think of it? As we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, there are only, there were, entering today's round of 16 in Wimbledon, only two American men still standing. It was not Greensboro's own John Isner, one of our favorites on that tour from these parts. It was instead a guy named Sam Query and a guy named Tennis. His first name is actually Tennis. In the sport of tennis, he is a star, and his first name is Tennis. <laughs> it's not spelled with the I in tennis, but Tennis Sandgren played Sam Query. Why was I sad? Well, the luck of the draw had the only two Americans still left. Remember, on the men's side, man, it's been a while since we had Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe, Andre Agassi more recently, Pete Sampras, even Andy Roddick not too, too long ago. Are you listening today? The lovely and talented Brooklyn Decker, Andy's wife. Perhaps Sam Query and Tennis Sandgren, by the luck of the draw, Darren, played each other today. Congratulations to Sam, who won. Tennis gets the exit door. But, of course, that prevented us, the red, white, and blue, in a men's bracket dominated by number one seed Novak Djokovic, number two seed Roger Federer, number three seed uh, Rafael Nadal. Those three guys remain maybe the three greatest tennis players of all time. Yes, they're in the Elite Eight, to steal the March Madness phrase, Sam Query, the only American in the men's Elite Eight. And sure enough, on the other side of the bracket, there are only two women still standing. Now, credit to Coco Goff, who, the 15-year-old who made a long, amazing run, knocking out Venus Williams, among others. But, spoiler alert, she was eliminated earlier today. So we have the Elite Eight set at Wimbledon for the women. Guess what? The only two Americans still standing? In the spirit of the luck of the draw, they play each other. Allison Risk, 29-year-old from Pennsylvania, it is her greatest Grand Slam performance in her career, does have the difficult job of taking on Serena Williams in the round of eight. So as we saw American versus American on the men's side, the last two still standing, we will have American versus American on the women's side, the last two Still standing. That's the luck of the draw, Darren, 2019 style at Wimbledon. 1-800-849-2761. Nick is in Raleigh and has tennis on his mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hello? Hey, Nick. You're on the air. Go right hey. ahead. Hey, DG. Uh, yeah, my best of the weekend uh, was both are tennis-related. Best was what you had already kind of mentioned, Coco Golf making a run to the Sweet 16. I don't think anybody really saw us. She was going to win today. Unbelievable. It's, it's insane to think a 15-year-old can, can – she won in the wild card, remember that, too. So she – I think she ended up winning five matches against grown women in professional tennis. Including v Venus Williams, man. I mean, that's – she, she saw the Williams sisters on TV when she was four years old, Coco Goff. And then she just eliminated Venus Williams last week. I mean, that's insane. And, and to back up your point, and I'll let you keep going, Coco Goff at Wimbledon did become the youngest player ever to reach what is called the main draw. Now, there have been younger people trying to get into the main draw. It's kind of like the earlier rounds of, say, like the U.S. Open or golf. you got to do well enough there just to get invited to the big bracket. 
Well, Coco Golf, 15 years and three months old, became that youngest ever in the history of Wimbledon to reach the main draw. And again, she didn't get bounced. Her first main draw match was Venus Williams. She won that one, beat two other seasoned professionals before falling earlier today to Simona Halep, who is one of the best women's tennis players in the world. Go ahead. Uh yeah, exactly what you were saying. It's just insane, really. And then my uh, worst of the weekend, you had mentioned it already, Dennis Sandgren losing to Quarry was uh, a pretty perfectly spoken luck of the draw to see uh, right. two American make it into the second week of Wimbledon is not off. Does not, not no. How, I, you don't have to tell me this information, Nick, if it makes you uncomfortable, but give me your age bracket. Are you closer to Darren's 20s and 30s or closer to mine? Darren. Okay, because I maybe I'm spoiled. Like, do you guys even remember, as American sports fans, when we always mattered in a men's tennis tournament? Like, somebody from our country mattered. Or are you guys young enough that you can't even hardly conceive of that? I mean, did, did, were you with us through Sampras and Agassi or Roddick or any of those? Well, I grew up, you know, I'm a tennis fan. I'm a tennis family, so I grew up okay. knowing about Agassi and, and watching Roddick. I, okay. I, I got Roddick. I watched him get his butt whooped against Federer and Wimbledon like six years in a row. It's just tough to see. No, I, I'm, it's vague, but pretty much men's tennis has been terrible for the majority of my life. Yeah, you know, for, that's for like six years and younger. When I'm six, I could probably tell you about Roddick. Now, you don't that's mean the whole sport. You just mean the American part of the men's tennis bracket, right? Yeah, completely yeah. male specific. Yeah, male Americans. Women's tennis, you've got 15 year old females who are. Who can, uh, yeah, and, and he's, he's breaking up on us a little bit there. But basically, the sport of men's tennis is in incredibly great hands. Like, you, you true, we're spoiled. We're watching three oh, you of the just greatest of all three time. Three of the greatest ever, yeah. So, so the Elite Eight that Sam Query of the United States is a part of, I mean, luck of the draw style, odds are he was going to have to either face, if you knew nothing about anybody's seeds or draw or anything, well, you know Djokovic is in the final eight. You know Nadal's there, and you know Federer is there, and of course they all are. So you're, what's the mat? I guess it would be a three out of four chance that you'd yeah. be matched up against one of them. <laughs> sure enough, he gets Rafael Nadal, who, when all is said and done, might be the best player in the history of men's tennis, especially on clay. Maybe not as much at Wimbledon, uh, hence the three seed for Nadal. But that's the next challenge for the only American man still standing, Sam Query. That is in the quarterfinals. Archie is in Greensboro, and next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to the program. Uh, thanks, DG. Uh, uh, just had a, had a take on the uh, your breakdown of the Le LeBron reaction. Yeah, uh, I, I would say this. I, I have waited nine years for someone to to offer a rational argument for the the volume of the response, and I think your your uh, analysis is as in depth and perceptive as anything I've uh, I've heard. But um, while I think everything you said is 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 right. I might take issue, perhaps, with the look at me aspect of it because if you remember, when 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 the LeBron thing happened, uh, uh, ESPN was televising these uh, these uh, college kids with uh, 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 you know sitting in front of a desk with uh, hats in front True. of them and they were playing games. You know, I mean, these are kids nobody ever heard of who were announcing where they were going to college. I, I just couldn't understand that aspect of the LeBron thing, but I think everything else ultimately is 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 that you said was right on on point. But the reason I think is not sufficient is um, I, I think I would say if Bryce Harper were to say he was taking his talents to South Beach by way of the 
the Miami Marlins. Or Tom Brady would have said he was taking his talents to uh, the South Beach uh, via the, uh, uh, the the Dolphins. Uh, you'd have gotten a response, but I don't think it would have been as as angry as what we got from from LeBron. So while your take, I think, was right on the money to the extent it could be, I think in the final analysis, it's there's a degree of it's like porcine t- cosmetology. I think porcine <laughs> is the word for pork, right? <laughs> Putting lipstick on a pig. I think. I think, you know, one of those things, Brady, Harper, and LeBron, one of those things is not like the other. Right. And I think that's the real reason for the volume of the antipathy you got from uh, in response. Yeah, in one way, you know this show well, and you're preaching to the choir because I'm a LeBron lover, supporter. I admire him. I respect him on the court, off the court. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a brilliant businessman. I wasn't mad at him for leaving the Cavaliers. I wasn't mad at him for leaving the Heat. I wasn't mad at him for leaving the Cavs the second time. I mostly just admire and appreciate the guy for all he does on and off the court. Uh, on this show, we try to ask people questions in a lot of different contexts. Sometimes it's race, sometimes it's gender, sometimes it's something else. But for something as simple as celebrations, right? If somebody's anti-excessive celebration, that doesn't make them wrong. But if they are okay when a man does it and bothered when Megan Rapino or Alex Morgan does it, like they've got some splaining to do, Right. Now, it might not be discrimination, but it probably is. Unless you can say why it's okay for the men to excessively celebrate, but not okay. You know, and women are just supposed to, what, cook you a sandwich and, and, and do every walk five steps behind you? I mean, if it's a true double standard because of gender or race or anything else, all of those people, A, have to be called out by the rest of us for what they are. And B, I would hope that it would lead to some reflection. Like, if Brett Favre is charismatic, but Cam Newton is selfish and look at me and celebrates too much, there might be a racial del- double standard there. Now, if you can explain why it's okay for Brett Favre or other animated quarterbacks and why Cam is different, well, then you might not be guilty of what you're charged with, essentially. But if you don't ask yourself that question, I mean, there's there. I've come to the conclusion, given my time in various occupations, including law, and with expertise in various areas, including race and gender, I've come to the conclusion that millions of Americans who are racist or sexist or xenophobic or or homophobic live all of life and die without knowing that they are those things. Seriously. It's, It's, there are way more of them than those who know they are such things. Heck, some of them brag that they are such things, right? The Klan, the Nazis, the, the white supremacists, etc. I mean, like, like they know who they are and they brag about it. Well, at least we can identify them, those of us who want to make the world a better place. There are a whole lot of people who live in a comfort zone. Uh, many of them get mad at a Megan Rapino who jolts them out of their comfort zone over gender discrimination or LGBT issues or racial or social injustice issues. They get mad when they're asked to venture beyond the comfort zone. Uh, Just as a human being, I I would rather challenge people on those comfort zones than just enable or advance them or certainly endorse them. That is never going to happen. But I've been shocked and disappointed as I've gotten older at the number of people who simply don't ask themselves that question. 
and they will go to their damned grave and dying breath telling you why Brett Favre was fun and charismatic and that Cam, Cam Newton jerk was all about himself. 1-800-849-2761. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. <laughs> You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Oh, it never stops, Darren. 1-800-849-2761 is the last call for phone calls. It was un-American and unpatriotic for Megan Rapino to handle herself the way she did on French soil. I-, I just have one serious question for that. Was Alexander Hamilton or Thomas Jefferson the bad American or the unpatriotic one? Which one of those two guys, Darren? They had all sorts of things they didn't like about America, if you remember correctly. Man, they were disagreeing left and right. They're even Jeff- Jeffersonian camp and the Hamiltonian camp. They're two of the greatest founding fathers of our country. They saw all sorts of things as wrong many, many, many years ago. Aren't they quintessential patriots for saying they want to be a part of making things better? No. Which one's the bad guy? Is it Jefferson or is it Hamilton? One of them's got, according to this Megan Rapino litmus test, one of them has to be an American-hating, unpatriotic, evil figure. Is it Hamilton or is it Jefferson? I, I'm just dying to know. I, I don't know, man. I, I'll just say this. I view it as infinitely more American and infinitely more patriotic to educate yourself, as Rapino has done, and to try to make your country a better place, which is what she's trying to do, even if you disagree with her, in her eyes, that's what she's trying to do. I would argue it's quintessentially American and patriotic to educate yourself and try to make things better, the way, you know, Hamilton and Jefferson and a lot of, lot of other people you theoretically love did many, many years ago, than to be, you know, blindly loyal to any person, any party, or any flag, or any network, or anything else. I don't know. We, I guess we just have opposite definitions of what it is to be patriotic or uber-American, because that's how I see Megan Rapino, even as some of you curse her name. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the Darren Vaught, great to have you back, and good luck with the rest of your move. I will hope to survive the dentist appointment a little bit later today. Thanks to J.P. Delacamera for joining us from Paris. And Adam Amin of ESPN, always a lot of fun as well. You got the home run derby tonight on ESPN, Summer League Ball, and other things. Enjoy. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.